Welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler, and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. So after the episode, please go out and go to theartistappeals.com to get your free downloadable resources. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. In this episode, we talk to the author of the book, Drawing Lab for Mixed Media Artists, 52 Creative Exercises to Make Drawing Fun. Now that may sound like a long title, but it's a really cool book that really opens up your creativity, whether you're an artist that's established or not at all. Even if you have no experience making art, this woman's work makes art fun and easy. Over 100,000 of this book have been sold. She also has two other books, Drawing and Painting Imaginary Animals, as well as The Silliness, The Art of Silliness, a creativity book for everyone, part workbook, part art book. She has a new book coming out, which we talk about in this episode, so you've got to listen to hear about her new book coming out, and she has over 50 online classes available. Some of these classes are entirely free. She has online art classes for kids to help them develop their creativity. You can post the work in a free private Facebook group, so it's totally a safe space. And as I said, the online classes are free and they're for parents and their kids. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce you to the amazing and funny and fun Carla Sondheim. Hi, Carla. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. This is going to be really fun. Well, thank you for having me very much. (laughs) You know, I was just online and I was checking out all of your stuff and you have just such a marvelous YouTube channel. I was watching a couple of your videos, actually. I was watching your one creating ink ink figures and, you know, it's got like 22,000 views. That's really good. Who videotaped it? I love the the editing. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm very fortunate. My my husband is um, a commercial photographer by trade. And mm-hmm. seven years ago, when we started doing online classes, he already had, you know, three fourths of the skills um, for video. He had he had the lighting, he had mm-hmm. um, the camera, <laughs> knowing the cameras, he had um, most of it. And so all he had to do really is put on the um, the moving part and the sound part. So he really knows what he's doing. He's a professional. And, um, and so Steve, my husband, is a full partner in this online class business. Well, that's wonderful. That's really, really cool. And that actually brings us to your backstory. So you've got this online website, Carla Sonheim. Is, is it Sonheim or Sonheim? Uh, Sonheim.com. Carla Sonheim.com. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's spelled for our audience. That's spelled C-A-R-L-A-S-O-N-H-E-I-M.com. Uh, I, I love your website. It's beautiful. Thank and you. Um, how did you get into this? I always like to start with a little backstory. Like, what were you doing before this? And how did you make this transition into what you're doing now? Yes. Is there well, an event? A defining <laughs> moment? Kind of. 
let's see, when I was in my late 30s, I decided to quit my sort of regular job. I was working as a graphic designer at a bunch of magazines and kind of try to give art a try. And so for the next few years, I probably 10 years, maybe even, I um, did lots of different things. I was trying to do the art shows, like outdoor art fairs and a little bit mm-hmm. of galleries. And, you know, Etsy was just coming. I was one of yeah. the first, like I, my number's really low, like, you know, for an Etsy seller, um, that was mm-hmm. 2005. And then at the same time, my sons, who are actually seven years apart, were going through mm. elementary school and middle school. And at the same time, art had been cut in the schools. So mm. some of the teachers were asking me to supplement that. They knew I was artistic. And so right. I, I started teaching art in the schools. And just, just as, as a, a volunteer thing? As a volunteer for most of it. And then one year I was the artist in residence. And I taught, let's see, second, third, and fourth grades. 17 classes a week. So to me, that was pretty much a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, with the preparation and then the hanging of everything. And then the, of course, the actual teaching. Yeah. And um, I ran into a problem right away uh, with teaching because my son Wes was in the um, class and he like he did not like to be talked down to at all. Um, probably mm-hmm. no kid likes that, but he's the kind of kid that would tell you <laughs> that he didn't like it. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I, um, I really wanted to make it interesting and real for him, but also keep it fun because I had 20 or 30 kids. Right. And you've got to teach to all the levels too, yes. which is always a challenge. Right. And so what I started doing is teaching real drawing things, things that I learned in my few, I mean, I'm not, I didn't have a, I don't have a degree in art, but I had taken some classes by that time. So contour drawings and blind contour drawings and gesture drawings, which are fast, loose drawings. I started teaching all those drawing exercises to kids. Yeah, those are very traditional. Right. But using materials and props that they would enjoy, like stuffed animals. So instead of doing a gesture drawing of maybe a person, which is like that, that's great, but it's so awkward for the the model to stand up there and everybody's laughing and everything, you know, <laughs> I, I tried to keep it so that it would be, especially if they're naked. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is I tried to keep it really fun. So I would use either fun props like stuffed animals for mm-hmm. traditional exercises, or I would take uh, silly exercises and apply them to traditional props. So for example, I might say, okay, draw this still life, but you have to do it with only seven lines. Kind of thing. <laughs> oh, I love so, it. What a great idea. So that kind of cut my teeth teaching wise. And then I started teaching adults and I ran into a huge um, block when it came to drawing with adults. And so I thought, well, let's teach the same way I taught the kids and see what happens. And it seemed to work. It, it really worked well. And then from there, I um, got a book contract. And then from there, I remember online classes were just coming out when my book came out in 2010. And I thought, what if I did a really cheap, quick online class to try to build up interest for the book? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. um, so I did. And I had a big $25 Art of Silliness, 30 days of PDFs, no video at that time. And I think maybe 500 people signed up. Wow. And- <laughs> And because of that, of course, the Amazon pre-sales got bumped, which made their interest peaked. And then I think it all snowballed from there. So I was just kind of 
like lucky and um and I just went for it. I had the idea and within um within a day I had the online class ready to sell. You know, I worked all night kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so that is kind of how the online classes started. And then I realized even though my book sold really well, you don't make that much money with books. Um, no. Your first book, your first book was The Drawing Lab for Mixed Media Artists, right? Yes. 52 Creative Exercises to Make Drawing Fun. And then you did that next one, Drawing and Painting Imaginary Animals, right? That's right. I have both of them. I do love oh. The Drawing and Painting Imaginary Animals. I just love your stacked birds. And for those <laughs> of our listeners that haven't seen your work and, and what you're doing currently, you do these kind of like crazy catty wumpus animals and figures from like scribbles and paint blobs, right? Yeah, that's been my kind of main, sort of my main thing the last five or six years. I started out doing just faces and then I moved to like this girl series. And then uh-huh. um, now it's been kind of a little all over the place, mostly because I'm teaching so much and coming up with new ideas. But mm-hmm. But mostly it's been animals and flowers and maybe people. (laughs) Yeah, but what's amazing about them is that anybody can do it because you start with a blob or a crack. I loved your crack series. Thank you. Do you remember that? You would, um, are you still doing that where you photograph a crack and then people can make art off of it? Yes, actually, um, it's kind of come back. It was the very one of my very first things, and now there's more interest. And so I'm making actually a, another book um, that will just be sidewalk cracks that people can either draw <laughs> in the book or they can tear them out and and use them like worksheets. Um, oh, that's so cool! Yeah. So you really inspire creativity. You know, really, what you're doing here is is opening up the field to anybody and making art accessible. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate to, yes, be, it's almost like it looks so simple and it is. And people say, well, I can do that. <laughs> and so that's part of um, our audience. And then um, luckily, another part of our audience are those who are quite trained, but they want, they're very trained in drawing or painting. They went to art school, but they want a little bit more life and personality and fun in their back into their work because sometimes it can mm-hmm. get too, too serious. And so, well, yeah. we, so what's amazing that we found, I didn't know this at the time, but what, what we found really was that it is for everybody because it is, it's for people who don't feel like they can draw at all. And it's also people who can draw really well, who just want to lighten up. <laughs> no, no, I totally get that. Cause I'm actually the second category. I actually have mm-hmm. an MFA in computer art. Like, mm you know, 3D animation, and you find that you get so deep into the art world that it almost becomes like, you know, they talk about writer's block or artist block and fear of the white, the white canvas, you get to this point where it's not fun anymore, because it's a business. And then, you know, you want to get back to that initial love that you had. And and your work really helps do that. I, I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. You know, that leads us into the pursuit of the goal and and, um, what you're trying to do now and what you're creating now. So, you know, I think we just talked about what you create, what your art is, but Mm -hmm. really, so I have the seven-step system, the appeals system, and we talk about art, product, presentation, educating, amplifying, and licensing, and then what is the definition of success. And we just talked a little bit about what your art is, but can you talk a little bit about what your personal art is because of what you've been studying. Do you know what I mean? Like, how has this affected you 
and your work? Well, to be honest, I think that most of the exercises that I came up with and and continue to come up with in various times that I need to do it for whatever mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. are really exercises to help me become looser because I think my tendency would be to be really neat and really mm-hmm. tight. But the art that I love the most is art that it feels free and loose. And yeah. so all the um, kind of like everything I've been doing ever since I started teaching kids, what, 10, no more than that, 20 years ago now, <laughs> has been to, um, well, make it fun for myself too. So I think in a way I'm my own client. And and so- The best client and maybe the hardest <laughs> client. <laughs> I'm my own person. So anything I feel like can help me loosen up, then I've tried to turn it into an exercise or an online class that that hopefully others can respond to. Uh, Does that answer your question? No, totally. That totally gets (laughs) to the heart of it. You know, I, I totally understand. Like I used to create really layered, deep, multiple exposure for photography or art journals. And when you have kids, that's not accessible. Right. You can't do that anymore. And you have to find a way you either have to give up, which is right. not an option. Right, Giving right. up is not an option. <laughs> not for an artist, you know, or find something that's faster and looser and, and more pleasurable in the moment if right. you have less time. Right. So, yeah. And that's kind of how I started too. My son, Wes, was four and my other son uh, was maybe 10 or 11. And mm-hmm. I only had little pockets of time. And so right. I did a, this really large series of faces. It ended up being large, but the the faces themselves were only three inches by three and a half inches. So they were mm-hmm. kind of like the size of a kid's fist <laughs> or your own fist if you're a small person. And um, I could do a couple of them in the 15 minutes between, you know, this or that, or, or I could do part of one, you know, while I was waiting in the car for my son to get out of orchestra practice. Yeah. So like you that. were working on the fly. Did you have a go-to bag, like an art bag that you packed or took with you? I, I have over over the last twenty years, which I which I would say is the amount of time I've been sort of dabbling in art. I've been uh, maybe twenty five. I'm a little bit dabbling. of a late twenty bloomer. years is dabbling. <laughs> <laughs> I've had like I keep trying to find the bag or the combination of stuff. But the truth is, I do, it's all like a little bit helter skelter. But I do <laughs> always have some kind of like makeup type bag in my purse with um, a sketchbook and you know, pencil, pen, Sharpie, the basics. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a whole bag devoted for my, my circle series. Um, over the last two years, I've been painting these circles every day and I had a devoted bag. But, you know, I like your idea of just a makeup bag and just a couple essentials always in your purse. That's, that's great. And it, it's helpful too when I run into kids um, who, who you know, who are getting bored at whatever event or restaurant we might be to, you know, this could be my grandchildren, or it could be also friends, kids, Um, Uh it it comes in handy. (laughs) And um, one thing I learned when I was really young, uh, a young mother, I was just starting out with art. And I had this book that I was working on, and I was very precious about it. And Mm. um, my son, Krister, who's my older one, was maybe five or six, and he wanted to draw on it. So I let him do it a couple of times. But mostly, I was trying to keep it, you know, pure. Well, 10 uh, years yep, later, I look, back, I look back at it and I'm like, the only things in this whole book that I like is what he did. 
That is such great advice. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so guilty of that. <laughs> and so from that so from that moment on, my younger son got the benefit of being in he could draw and everything. My grandkids can draw and everything. Sometimes I'll say, Don't draw on this page. I like it how it is. And and they respect that. But I definitely, you know, kids, friends that want to draw on my sketchbooks, those are always my favorite pages. So I let them know. Aww. And I don't know, that would be one <laughs> one little piece. If you have a lot of young mothers in your in your life who want to be artists, um, you yeah. know. Do you have them sign it? Do you Sometimes, make the kids sign it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially now that they're a little older and can, um, yeah. I do. But otherwise I wouldn't label it, you know, Ellie, age two, you know. <laughs> right. So. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. So you have like five or six books now. Let's see. I, I only have three. My uh, drawing lab, imaginary animals, and then the art of silliness, which okay. is kind of a, like a worksheet drawn book. And then this one, photography, is with your husband, right? Yes. Create a so photography we, lab. We oh, co-wrote I like that. that. Although I would I would totally say that it was really his book that I just um, helped make accessible. <laughs> there was no, more than one argument. You know, I would say this doesn't make sense. And he's like, it makes perfect sense. And I'm like, no, it, it really does not make sense. <laughs> so you kept him in line. You you gave him some tips on better teaching. Yes, a little bit. Like, because um, to him, he was so schooled in photography. And it was such mm-hmm. second nature to him for, since he was 14 years old that explaining exposure or the, you know, F-stops he, to him, it seemed really clear. And I'm like, I just right. don't, I just yeah, don't you get just this. use an F-16 and, you know, exposure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. In <laughs> totally. some we don't even need that anymore. The smartphones have become so um, amazing. Oh, yeah, they're um, everywhere. Since then, but. I have done a lot of photography. That was my thing for a long time. And I just, I have the, the iPhone 7 Plus now and I love it. I use yeah. it all the time and yeah. the photographs turn out great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I have those four and then I have um, basically the sidewalk crack book that'll be out in a couple of weeks. And it, it is, I'm actually going to do two books. This one is more the kids art week accompanying. I, every year we do kids art week because I started out teaching kids and kids art week is free for people, but I, I love doing it. So we do it every year. <laughs> mm, where is it? Where is it? It's, it's online. It's online. Oh, okay. And, cool. Um, People sign up and do it with their kids, and it's for kids of all ages, of course. But we center on the kids in the in the lessons. And um, this year, sidewalk cracks are the theme, so I I made this book so they don't have to buy the book, but they can if they want to uh, make it a little easier on themselves. So that'll all be up this summer. Oh, that sounds so cool! I want to do that with my kids. Like we have some really old sidewalks in this neighborhood because it's a um, turn of the century little railroad town and you know, brick sidewalks still and and broken sidewalks. So do you have to get online to do it or can they do it on your phone? Like, how does that work? Yes. Either way, you can, if you have a Vimeo app, you can watch it on your phone. Ah, So you're using Vimeo? Yep. We use Vimeo as our video platform. Mm -hmm. The classes themselves where you can find the videos and also find the artwork that accompanies it and the written instructions. That goes through our website, and mm-hmm. um, it's a very easy easy portal. When you you just sign up, and then you create a password, and so then you have your own password to get into all your classes. And right now, we have four other past Kids Art Week classes that are available for free as well. So a lot of people just sign up through that; they don't need to pay anything or or give any 
financial information or anything like that. That is so generous. Well, it's it's great. It, it's good for me and it keeps me grounded and also I, it's a marketing tool. It, you know, we get we get people out of it. And even if the people only sign up for Kids Art Week, they might talk to a cousin or a friend who's interested in art and they say, "Well, there's this lady." Yeah. <laughs> so, we do it partly for the marketing, but mostly I would say mostly it's just to keep my finger in the kids art pie because I love kids art so much and I love they keep us fresh, you know? Yeah. And um, they really also, do. They keep you young. Right. And our all of our adult students love to watch the kids do it because like I'll see a feed and it's adult adults and kids and I know immediately which ones are the kids and which ones are adults. And mm-hmm. we're always as adults, or at least I am, always trying to get to the be more kid like and more fresh and uh or fresher and and so it's wonderfully inspiring for anybody. Yeah, you know, there's a great quote by Picasso somewhere, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know it by heart, but as something to the effect of all kids are artists, we lose it as adults. Right. The problem is how to keep it as adults or something like that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> knowing when to stop. It's like, you know, we yeah. as, art, as artists, as adults, you know, try too hard. Yes. Well, you know, and it's funny because um, it's part of growing up. I was teaching that second, third, and fourth grade, and there was a huge difference between second graders and fourth graders. And mm. some, somehow in between third grade, you know, you grow up, you become self-aware, mm. you see other art, and you kind of can start to compare now, mm. and it matters. Mm-hmm. And that's unavoidable, I think, in some ways. I mean, you know, that is part of growing up and becoming older. And so... I don't feel like you can ever truly get back to creating just like a kid, you know, because mm-hmm. you're not you're not anymore. But you can do things, you can give yourself parameters or exercises or fun things to do that can help you capture some of that spirit again. Yeah. I think that people have blamed the schools and teaching for, you know, beating creativity out of kids. And that is true a little bit. <laughs> but it's certainly it, a big TED talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I do believe it's true. And and actually, I, I'm very upset with my own experience. I have one and most of the adults I have, have had a sad experience as a child with mm. art teachers or, or even their regular teachers. But yeah, but, the, but there's also just that general, you know, growing up and yeah. suddenly, it's like, what kind of personality are you with your art? And in some ways, maybe it comes back to the schools not being a good place to um, foster those who are different kind of personalities with their art. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you get, you know, it's all individual. Sometimes you get a great teacher too, like you, yes. who just <laughs> is so inspiring and so open and so loose and so creative. And, you know, being a teacher is hard. It's hard work. It is. Yeah. Honestly, I, I just want to say thank you to all the teachers because it is hard work. Um, it's rewarding work. Every teacher I've ever worked with or talked to um, loves what they do, but it's hard. Oh, and yeah. um, it's hard just because you get tired. And um, when you're tired, you're not usually as nice as when you're not tired. So. Well, and unfortunately, I think there's a um, a little bit of a adversarial nature for whatever reason in our educational system and us against them mentality. Like I was a college professor for 12 years and there is this, well, why did you fail me? Yeah. Well, well, I didn't fail you, honey. You didn't do the work. You didn't turn in the projects. You didn't put in any effort. So there's, and I'm not sure where that comes from, but you know, we have to work to constantly 
combat that, I think. Like, that's right. one thing I work with with my kids is no, no, you know, <laughs> they're not out to get you. Right. It's, Nobody's it's, out to get you. It's <laughs> not deliberate. Right. <laughs> so let's move on to presentation because um, I like to talk about, you know, we've talked about creating art every day. Like, I think that is the best, surest, fastest way to build a body of work and to find your own niche, to find your own voice is to create every single day. But once you've done that, I think it's actually really hard for people to present their work, to get out there and to show it and to show it Mm. in its best light. You know what I mean? Like when you present your work, you have to tell a story around it and you have to make it look gorgeous. What are some of your tips or techniques? Like how do you like to present your work? Because your work is so fluid and open and loose and and, um, unprecious, do you reflect that in the presentation or or how do you present your work? Kind of. um, You know, the the, the truth about me is I'm not a very consistent person. So I do have a good scanner and Mm -hmm. I tend to work small. And so when I, most of the time, I try to scan the work with this nice scanner Mm-hmm. and make it as nice as I can. And usually that, to me, that means not changing it that much, just making sure mm-hmm. the scan looks like the artwork. Yeah. So you don't photograph it, you scan it. Well, that's a nice alternative to having to do the lighting and the photography and everything, right? Yes, yes. But then I also photograph it sometimes. And I'm always a little um, hesitant to do it because it, the quality isn't as good. But mm-hmm. if I didn't do it that way, sometimes it would not get posted. So um, mm-hmm. sometimes I err on the, oh, let's, let's get it out there. <laughs> and I wish in a way I was more, uh, just a tad more disciplined to make sure every single thing that I have up is amazing, but, um, I'm not. <laughs> I think it's more just about getting it out there. Like what are your favorite social media platforms for posting your work? Do you do Instagram or Facebook or like, how do you? Instagram. And then Mm -hmm. I also have uh, Facebook accounts. Mm -hmm. And then I do have a Twitter account that's sort of linked to one of those. I can't even remember which one. So, and it's not, but I have found that I can't be good at too many social media platforms. Um, Mm -hmm. Overwhelm. Too much. So I kind of focused on Instagram these days and Facebook and, um, and even Facebook gets a little bit of the shaft because um, sometimes it's just the Instagram. Mm -hmm. Well, Instagram, you can post from Instagram to Facebook, right? Yes. So I do that. And then, um, and that would be, that would go to the business page, (laughs) but then I Mm -hmm. have the personal page that it doesn't automatically go to. And so Mm -hmm. that, so then I'm always sort of, you know, do I have the time or energy or, you know, to do it? Sometimes I do, or sometimes I don't. Do you try and post every day? Not every day, but almost, you know, every other day, probably. Mm -hmm. If I posted every day, I would be happier. Um, But days get away from me and I don't. And also, I don't, I wouldn't say I create every day. I mean, I, sometimes I will go a while, you know, depend, like we had a teacher here filming last week and I hardly did anything. (laughs) (laughs) She left. I only had emails to do and then I, you know, would conk out and then it was time to pick her up in the morning. Right. But whenever I do, and if I do, it's usually two or three things. So then that can get me a couple of days in a row of work. But right. yeah, I, I love social media. It, it's a big part of our business, but I also try to hold it as loosely as I can because I, I'm just doing the best I can. And that's all we can do. And I'm not that great. Like I, 
I have 8,000 Instagram followers. Oh, not that great. Only 8,000. <laughs> well, I, the teacher we just had has 70. So <laughs> so I, I'm compared to some of the people that I know, it's not right. that great. But um, yeah, it is nice. I mean, it's good. But you have this website too that you're maintaining with all these classes. I mean, I'm on your website as we're talking and you, I, I can't even count the number of classes you've got. Let's see here. They're in groups of four. So if I go down four, eight, 12, 16, 20, oh, I mean, dozens. I'm yeah. still scrolling. You've got to have over two dozen? Yeah. Well, there's, um, I think we usually try to hover around 50 classes that are <laughs> up at any time, which so means, cool. which means that as a new class comes, we usually drop them off. Some of mm-hmm. the older classes, some of the ones that haven't sold as well. It's more to just, I mean, there's several ways to have an online class business. And one of them would just be to keep up everything from all time in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. But for us, we, we kind of want the experience. It's already overwhelming enough um, mm-hmm. to have 48, 50 classes. So yeah. if we had a hundred, it's just not, it's too much. So, um, and also like during the classes that we filmed five years ago, Steve wasn't as good as a filmmaker and I was really awkward on camera and all that can be charming and everybody has forever access to those, but I don't necessarily need to sell them now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of nice that, um, you know, I can decide to, okay, that one doesn't need to be out there anymore. (laughs) Well, I love your classes too, because you have all ranges. You have these free kids classes, you have jelly plate planting, you have one for realism, but then a lot of them are really loose, like doings of a doodle and cats and and painting your garden and abstract and blob animals. And, you know, so some of them are just really nice and open and loose, like, you know, accessible to anybody. In and out of sketchbook, making art a practice. These are just so much fun. Yeah. And um, the teachers, we have about 15 to 16 teachers um, that have done classes for us. And it's been wonderful. Um, I, I resisted at first adding other teachers because I had the only model I had was like a bigger company that just sort of let anybody that wanted to teach, teach. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling inspired by that. But once I figured out that I could make it more curated and, Mm -hmm. um, almost more like a university, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, they're not, we're not university teachers at all, but it, it feels to me like these are my group of teachers that are now teaching with us as if there would be a department at a university and then it changes. Somebody right. retires, somebody moves on, somebody mm-hmm. does whatever, but basically the core stays this, uh, you know, similar for a while. And mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how it became excited for me then to, to look for teachers that I wanted to learn from and, and curate it. Oh, I love that idea. That is really cool. And do you do any gallery shows or do you still do craft fairs or anything like that? Or is it you've let that go the, the physical presentation? I have let it go almost completely. And I, again, I think that you can, I mean, in the beginning as an artist, you, you diversify, I think, and you need to find what it is that works. And you kind of like having a lot of irons in the fire is really a nice thing to do as a, as an artist, because sometimes, you know, shows aren't doing so well that year, but maybe online sales are up or something like that. As soon as we started adding teachers, this became more of a business, you know, um, and mm-hmm. less about me. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And so, um, and I found that I had to, I had to let some things go and I just have not been able to get my head around doing a live show or, you know, like at a gallery or even yeah. gathering up my artwork and presenting it to sell. Like I, like the, the, pro, the pricing process is just overwhelming to me right now. So, so right. right now all my art just goes in drawers. It's mostly just to support the the business, um, mm-hmm. the online class business. This is what you can make, that kind of thing. I do joke with my my children that you know when I pass on, they'll have <laughs> about ten thousand pieces of art to sell. <laughs> We're gonna have to start a foundation. <laughs> so, um, and and that'll be good for them. So, <laughs> but, I but hear for you. now, it's, it's just all being. Um, actually, my younger son is organizing it this summer, so I'll have a little bit more of a catalog and. Oh, very cool. Well, maybe you'll start a new website where you sell some of the originals. That'd be neat. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I yeah. understand, though. It is a whole different field. It's yes. And, um, wax. and it's like my I, I'm 56 and my energy just can't do as much as I used to. Um, mm-hmm. Meaning I, my my brain can't handle focusing on two separate businesses kind of as much. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I, I chose, and for now I choose this, and then maybe later um, I'll choose something else. Yeah, well, I, that makes complete sense to me. You know, maybe your kids will choose to help build you some other platform, and maybe you'll find something in it that loves and appeals to you. But right. you got to do what you love, right? Yes, we've we've kept that as a huge. Uh, what is the metaphor? Like the carrot in front of us that drives us, or the or the the bullseye. I mean, we. Steve and I are always checking in with each other, you know, is this fun? How can we mm-hmm. tweak some things to take some stress away? Um, you know, what are, what are things that we need to change or do differently so that mm-hmm. we're not both running around like chickens with our heads cut off? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and we're doing pretty well. We're, we're, we're finding our rhythm. It's, and we've worked together on and off for different in different scenarios for our whole marriage, which is mm-hmm. 27 years oh, now. Amazing. That's so but, um But we've only worked full time together for about seven years. So it took about five years to sort of <laughs> iron out the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Last two years have been really great. <laughs> and, you know, that actually brings us to the A in appeals. So it's art, product, presentation, educate, and automate and amplify. So I mean, you are doing education and you're presenting through video and through online classes all the time. But, you know, you just hit on it. How do you not get overwhelmed? How do you kind of uh, not run around like a chicken with your head cut off? So how do you kind of automate and and amplify some of this stuff so that you guys aren't overwhelmed? It costs money to do that sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, either in getting help, like physical, you know, employee help. Or um, in in the case of the example I'm about ready to tell you, it was like freelance help. But one way we, uh, last year that we really saved me a lot of um, stress and work is we got our website up and running where everything was pretty much in one place, meaning they sign up, they get right to their class. Mm-hmm. And whereas before I had it over here and over here and over here. And there were, it was just a lot of steps for me to get the people to the right place uh, mm-hmm. to take their class. And we had new passwords for every class, for example, whereas now everybody has their own account and they get to choose their own password for all their classes. Since we got that up last August, my online workload was probably cut in half 
in terms of answering questions and helping people and and right. just making sure it was working. But it was expensive. <laughs> right. But it was totally worth it because now I feel like this year I'm finally I'm starting to open up and be able to really take the time to create more. Yeah. Because I don't feel like there's 10 emails waiting for me. There might only be one and and you know and I can I can manage that in my head better than the 10, you know. Right. Another thing, um, I had been teaching an online class, a year-long online class myself for the last five or six years. Uh And this year, we decided to bring two other teachers on board so that I would have the first semester and then they're taking the second and third semesters. So this is giving me a little bit even more time right now to um, develop some book ideas Uh because I really would love to do some more books. Yeah. And, um, oh, I can't and, wait. <laughs> thank you. And, and just to, to goof around, which I think is really important. One of the assignments I give in almost all my uh, longer classes is, is one called Chasing Rabbits, where they're not really supposed to do anything except for let one thing lead to another. Um, you know, go online, look at some, you know, Instagram people that you like, look at what they like and follow that. Maybe do some art, maybe not, but there's no pressure during this one or two week period to to make anything that they just can just can chase rabbits, run all around. <laughs> and um permission people, to go down a rabbit hole. I laugh about it because like it seems like, you know, it's a negative thing. Chasing rabbits is a negative thing. If you look at any book titles that have those words in it, it's a negative it's like, you know, you're not doing things right. Yeah, you're, you're not being you're productive just, enough. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But imagine being in a field when you were a kid, eight years old, and there were some rabbits running all over the field, and there were holes for them to jump into, and you were just chasing them, and then they would mm-hmm. jump in the hole, and then they would pop back out. I mean, imagine how fun that would be. Yeah. I mean, truly. I do that. <laughs> the physical thing of chasing rabbits would be fun, and that's how I, I think of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you're in a city chasing pigeons. Yes. <laughs> You don't want to be mean to the animals, but but as long as they're very um, as they're very uh, able to get away, yes. it's fun. It's funny. It's it, they're cute. They're you're laughing. You you know you can't run fast enough to catch a rabbit. You know you fall yeah. down in exhaustion. You're laughing. I mean, I think that would maybe be a title of one of my books uh, that I have in mind is chasing rabbits because I I think it needs a a renaissance. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. No doubt. I love it. And like this one wordplay painting. So you're all about play in your work. Yes. Now that one is for, that one was taught by Lynn Whipple and she's a total kindred spirit. And it's one of our most popular, probably is our most popular teacher. And um, just, yeah, she is all about play as well. And she's an amazing artist. So yeah, I want to take like every single one of your classes online. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Let's talk about licensing and contracts, the formal part. Like there's this end of play. You know, there's play. Art is a is a wonderful form of play. And then there's this business side and there's this duality that it creates for a lot of artists. We've got to have contracts. We've got to have some systems in place. And licensing is something that we never learn about in the art schools. Like I didn't learn about it until a couple of years ago. And I was like, what? Why did nobody tell me about licensing? You mean I can right, right. license my work? What? Right. right. <laughs> yes. I don't have a whole lot of experience with licensing. I did have um, an agent for about eight years who sold 
some things. Um, but parts... uh, uh, you have contracts in books. I you do, have and contracts. I have contracts in books. <laughs> so let's talk about it from that angle a little bit. Okay. Like, what advice would you give to the audience about the importance of having contracts and and having those types of formalities? Well, they're in place to protect both parties, um, and mm-hmm. they're not evil. However, if the publishing company, you know, they try to make it fair, but it's maybe going to lean a little bit in their favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can, and in a way, that's their job as um, negotiators to to lean it in their favor. Versus, you know, and so it's nice to know that you know a few key things. One of them, I'm so thankful I knew this going in because I used to work in graphic design and publishing and everything. Right. That that I could get a royalty that. They should pay me in advance, and then I would get a royalty on sales. And um, some other people were getting offered a one-time payment. And boy, that would have been very upsetting if my my best-selling book was only a one-time payment. <laughs> yes. Oh, great advice. Let's get in advance and get royalties. Royalties are yeah, when get you get royalties. paid monthly or quarterly based on the sales. You get a percentage of the sales, right? Yes. And in my case, it's not much, but it still is nice. And it's, it is every six months. And, you know, in the beginning, I got more royalties than I do now, but it's still nice to know that, you know, every six months, I'm going to get a little check from the publishing company and it's great. Uh, It's good for my, my peace of mind kind of. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That makes sense. The other thing we started to do is, well, the first contract we showed to someone who wasn't a lawyer and he was helpful, but um, I realized later I probably could have gotten a little bit better contracts. So then the second round, I we did have a lawyer kind of look it over. It wasn't like they were way in there, but you know we still negotiated, but a lawyer helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good. I think they're worth their money. You know what I mean? They're going to make back the 1500 yep. or the 500 that you have to pay to do it by saying, oh, this foreign rights one, why don't you say that they have to pay you the 6% for that too, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't even notice that, you know, kind of thing. So lawyers are nice. My husband now has taken it upon himself to be educated in the business and legal side. So mm-hmm. he is the one that has been creating the contracts for the teachers and mm-hmm. and would be working on any contracts for future books. But I think he would also have a lawyer look at it at this point because we just... The things we do well are coming up with classes, filming classes, presenting classes, finding good teachers, and hopefully being the creative part. And the business part is someone else's area to shine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, so we, we at least want to have them help us a little bit. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, how do you measure success? Like a lot of times we as artists, just jump from one task to the next. And I don't think we stop to celebrate our successes enough or talk about them or share them because sometimes I know that we feel like it's bragging. Mm -hmm. So how do you measure success and and what do you do to celebrate it? Well, um, we touched on it before. Success to both Steve and I is that the business doesn't overtake our lives to the point of being drudgery or negative in any, Mm -hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. now there's that doesn't mean there's not hard days or that you know but if it if there's too many hard days in a row it's important to us to ask ourselves the question okay what what's causing this and what can we do to to fix it 
one thing that we like to do, for example, is not have an alarm in the morning. Mm. And I'm, I'm an earlier riser. He, he gets up a couple hours later, but sometimes I'm a, I'm a late riser too. Like he is, you you know, it depends on my day. And if, if we had a full-time employee, that would go away. So we're trying to, or, you know, if we had the traditional office where we'd have to be there at a certain time every day. Right. So that's something we're kind of grappling with right now is, um, is it worth changing our, our lifestyle, which we've gotten very, um, you know, comfortable with to grow the business in such a way, or do we look for other ways to grow the business that can maintain what's important to us? And for whatever reason, being able to not have an alarm most days <laughs> seems to be very important to us. <laughs> that sounds so relaxing, though. I mean, the the constant bells and whistles and beeps and chimes of modern life are very disconcerting, I think. I mean, I remember a time before cell phones. I'm in my 40s and right around right. college or grad school is when we started getting the flip phones. Right, right. But I remember growing up with not all these interruptions. Yes, yeah. Money is a good barometer of success for us. And partly that is because we were starving artists for so long. Um, kind of by the, when I quit my job from 38 till the time uh, Drawing Lab came out in 2000. So I don't know, that was an 11 year period. We just were sort of floundering mm-hmm. and we were underemployed. And so we didn't like that. I like that term, <laughs> underemployed. <laughs> we <were> underemployed. <laughs> we lived um, a very scary existence for about 10 years. Just, you know, are we going to have enough for the rent and or the mortgage or whatever it oh, was? And, and it never seemed to uh, get better until we moved out of a smaller town that we were living in and and moved to a city. And then somehow just the energy of the city and then my book came out and everything just kind of happened. But I would be lying to say that money isn't important. It is important. It's the, and it's really important for us now because we now know how it is to be able to afford to, you know, buy your grandchildren books at the book fair. And yeah. we know how it, it feels to not be able to afford that. <laughs> we couldn't afford to help our, the father of those grandchildren go through his last two years of college. Mm. And so we like this other way. <laughs> I didn't even realize that you lived in a city. That's so interesting that you went from a small town into a city. Yes. That seems a little backwards. <laughs> well, that's because we did the opposite. We lived in um, near Chicago in Wheaton, Illinois for the first 10 years of our marriage. And then we went to a small town. And that's when the small town, it could have been a lot of different things, but, you know, economy, the economy in general and all kinds of things. But that period of time was just our worst financially. Mm. And so then we felt like we just had to get out of, I mean, it's a little bit cheaper in a small town, but you make a lot less money. Yeah. Uh, but there's just not there's in the, less opportunity, right? Less contacts. Right. right. And I, there was one point, uh, I mean, maybe it was good, but there was one point where I, we, I just felt like I had to get a job. This was ridiculous. Cause I was trying to do art and freelance mm. and shows and galleries and, but all I could find were jobs that I didn't want to do, like work at the prison. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. And so uh, in a way that kind of forced the hand a little bit. We we doubled up on our art efforts and then we got mm-hmm. out of there and, and then it's been great since then. But um, we decided that for us, for our particular personalities, being in the energy of a city is better for us. Cool. 
And you live in a pretty liberal area of of, um, of the country too, Seattle, Washington, huh? Yes. Very cool. So nobody looks at us funny for uh, sleeping in in the morning a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And nobody looks at you funny for photographing cracks in the sidewalk. Yeah, no, only the tourists look at me funny, but um, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely done that. I've sort of blocked traffic because of that. And, <laughs> and I'm always finding like wonderful things to photograph in the middle of the sidewalk. And I... Yeah, yeah, know, hold on, hold on. Uh, Just wait for a second. We need an orange vest. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm a construction worker yeah, with my yeah. flag. <laughs> and camera. <laughs> or sketchbook. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That is really cool. Well, you know, one of the last questions I love to talk about is books. Now you have books, but are there any books you would recommend or you love to give to people as gifts? Like what are some of your favorite books to talk about? I do love books and I love books on creativity. And um, I've been helped by many many books. And it's usually sort of like one, one thing I'll remember from each one. But mm-hmm. The Artist's Way came out when I was in like 30 years old, when I first started mm. being and wanting to do art. And that was very, very helpful to me in that uh, she sort of gave you permission to be creative. Yeah. And also, she identified that there might be some crazy makers in your life that were sort of discouraging you from it. Not, not even on purpose. They were just doing it because of their own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and and so those two things were big takeaways for that. I loved, especially the first time I read it, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Ooh, I haven't heard he talks, of that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, it's, it's really good. It, he talks about resistance. And, you know, a good day is when you can overcome the resistance of doing your art. Because at first it's fun, but then you start to to think, Oh my gosh, this I want to do as good as I did yesterday. And I want to, you know, have as much, I'm not having as much fun. And then you start to question it. And, and then you start coming up with excuses not to do it. Why not to do it? And so he talks a lot about that, how resistance is real. And it, it's your job as an artist to figure out how to get around that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The and, um, and then I, um, Linda Berry, I think is a wonderful, uh, she's a cartoonist turned creativity teacher. She's a professor, an adjunct professor, I believe at um, the university of Wisconsin. And she has wonderful exercises and ideas about creativity that are aligned with mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love, I love her, especially some of her recent books, like picture this and what is an image? They're two mm sort of like creativity books, a drawing, but then also cartoons. It's really Picture wonderful. Picture this and what? And this is creativity? Picture this is one of them. Oh. And then what is an image? What is an image? Mm. Yeah. What's her name again? Uh, Linda Berry. L-Y-N-D-A. Okay. Berry. And those are the three that just are like off the top of my head. I'm reading a wonderful book right now called On Becoming an Artist Mm. by Ellen Langer, Mm L-A-N-G-E-R. And she's a professor and like maybe a sociologist. Um, She's a scientist who uh, is talking about like accessing that creative side of you and why it's important and how. And a friend of mine gave it to me and I'm enjoying that. So that's really cool. I like to read these books. They're they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, for the listeners, we will put links in the footnotes on theartistappeals.com. There will be transcripts with um, some pull quotes from the, the episode and all of these links, all of these people's names, if you didn't catch the name or the books. And links to your site will all be in those footnotes as well. I just got to say that as, you know, the dis- disclaimer. <laughs> right. That's great. No, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, well, excellent. I love your work and I love what you do. And I'm going to sign my kids up for your free online kids art class. That's going to be so much fun. And I think your kid, you said your kids were uh, seven and three and those yeah. are great ages. Um, and you'll help the three-year-old maybe a little bit, but otherwise it's really for all ages. You know, any, we have two-year-olds getting, putting up their, their blobbles and things like that. So it's just wonderful. <laughs> now, actually, we should talk about that real quick before we finish off. We have a, about five minutes, but we didn't talk too much about Well, we did talk a little bit about social media, but we didn't talk about where your students post and how you encourage them. So where do you have the kids post and stuff? Is there like a private Facebook group or what do you do with that? Yes, we do have a private private Facebook group for each sort of class. And um, we know that a lot of people um, don't like Facebook. So we're we're always kind of on the lookout for a good alternative. But Mm -hmm. Facebook is pretty good in the sense that most people have access. They're already there for different reasons. Um, the groups are closed, so nobody can see what you post. So if you're shy about posting, you would only post and only the other people in the class would see it. Right. So it's a safe space. Yes. <laughs> and that's important. And it's also safe in terms of advertising. You know, like we never advertise new classes there or anything like that. We try to keep it very education oriented in the, in the class forums. Right. Students are also invited if they are don't have Facebook or don't like it to um, email the teacher and she or he is happy to take a look on email. And it's really it's not like critique art school. It's more like encouragement. And I this is coming just from my own teaching experience. Yeah. Every single artwork that I've ever seen any student make at any age, there is something wonderful about it. And um, yeah, I say that with all my heart there. It's almost like sometimes the more skilled you get, the less charming it can get. And we talked about this in the beginning. And so we definitely try to accentuate the positive. And and the reason we do that in the forums is things can be taken out of context so quickly online. Mm -hmm. And so anytime a student would really like some more in-depth criticism, we would like ask them to, you know, email the teacher. Right. Um, And then sometimes some teachers are more... um, you know, technical than others. And so they'll say, you might try putting a dark area over here. I mean, it's not like there's no suggestions. It's just that it, it's definitely a safe place, I guess. Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. A safe place for creativity. Well, I definitely yeah. think that, you know, I agree with you that if you know how to look at a piece of artwork, there's always something of interest to be found. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to start critiques with, uh, I used to tell the students, okay, when we critique, you need to say, very first off, the first question I would always ask would be, what do you like about it? Yes. You know, find something. And there is always something. I mean, there's a unique color combination or the looseness of a line or the way they placed something on the page or the fact that their feet got cut off at the calves, which is <laughs> sort of a no, but it's awesome in this case because it really gives a good feeling of someone being in the water or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Totally. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, I am so excited to hopefully see you online. And I'm excited for your free class for my kids. I think that's such a wonderful thing that you offer that to kids in the community. And then, you know, there are paid options for people that want to go on, but it's so generous. So generous. Thank you. It's kind of our pleasure, although I have to film it this week. So this is my nervous week. Um, Mm. And I've been doing this a long time and I still get kind of nervous. So I'll be... (laughs) I'll be happy on Friday when it's over. <laughs> do you batch process your videos? Do you um, do them all in a day or two and then like batch process them? You do five or six yes. or 10 or how many do you do? No, yeah, we usually um, can average about two videos a day. Okay. And um, so with six videos, I'll be doing two and a half, three days um, mm-hmm. of, of filming. Yeah. And the teachers also, as well, they, we fly them in and they stay for like two and a half, three days mm-hmm. and we could do six lessons. So yeah, that's and then I mean, it's like hours of video to cut like minutes, right? So you're right, like, for right, every right. hour, you might get five minutes or something. <laughs> right. Well, my husband is very good at editing down our videos so that they're not too, too long. Yeah. Because um, again, that I try to offer a product I would enjoy and I don't enjoy watching you know, an hour and a half of someone making something, although other people might enjoy that, but I don't. So I would rather have him cut out some of the the boring parts and, mm-hmm. you know, just stick with the highlights and then off I go to the studio to work. So yeah, uh, that's kind of one thing that's, I mean, our, our videos tend to be between 15 and 30 minutes long. I think that's the right length. Yeah. And then send them off and give them an assignment and they get to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to spend all your time watching. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been wonderful talking to you. And I really look forward to seeing all the other stuff you do in the future. Well, thank you so much for having me, (laughs) Erin. I really appreciate you asking. No problem. Are you a teacher or a homeschooler or crafter? Perhaps you have kids that you like to share your love of nature with and explore the outdoors and have adventures with. Perhaps you like to go out and find bugs and frogs and turtles and snakes and birds' nests. Now you can bring that adventure inside and extend your adventure with your kids or your crafts with a craft project. Check out I Connect Crafts. That's E-Y-E, as in an eyeball, connectcrafts.com, where you can find over 70 different animals, all designed by yours truly, called the Totem Poppets. The totem poppets are fun, movable animals. You can paint them, you can stamp them, you can zentangle them. They can take anything you can throw at them, from crayons to watercolors. They're movable. Everyone has joints. You put them together with mini brads. We have six different colors of mini brads. You can choose blues, purples, greens, gold, silvers, whites, whatever you like, and you assemble them and then you can play with them. Stick them on a chopstick, make a play, put them in an art journal, a scrapbook, a greeting card, use them in a project for school. So check them out at iConnectCrafts.com. Well, that's it for the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something too. You can get more information 
You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals.com. Thanks and have a good one.